chapter 9 and verses 2, 6 and 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The second reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 18. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, near where the baby was born, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, Peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Thanks, Julie. Can I invite you to come forward and just uh, pray for you before you speak? That's okay. Lord, we thank you for Julia, for her service uh, for her mind uh, but today Lord we want to hear from you uh, may you speak through your servant and may our hearts and minds be open to what you have for us today Amen. myself to visit you today and give me the privilege to share God's word with you this morning. And we're going to start with a quote. What's sorry that this is I'm, I'm a bit disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sort of you've got your time so you can just move on. Okay, okay, thank you. Sorry. Oh <laughs> <laughs> that's dramatic, but yes. <coughs> so what's in a name? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. 
Now we all know that's Shakespeare, mainly because it's he's got a picture of anybody know what play that comes from? No. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. I had to look it up. I've got it written in here. It's Romeo and Juliet. You know. But names are important, aren't they? They affect our whole lives. You think about some of the celebrity names people get given today. Only there's somebody called Flappy. Gassy. How's he going through life with the name Gassy? Yeah, hello, this is my friend Gassy. Only there's somebody named their last son One Too Many. <laughs> names can mean something, of course. They usually mean something quite nice, like hope or grace or something. Um, Julia. Uh, my name means youthful and downy. The Puritans were the great ones for having funny names and giving names with meaning. Especially there was a family called the Barebones family. They were known as the Barebones brothers. And there was the eldest was Praise God Barebones. There was Fear God Barebones. There was Jesus Christ came into the world to save bare bones, and the youngest brother was called, If Christ had not died for thee, thou hast been damned bare bones. I think he preferred to be called Nicholas. I think maybe Iffy would have been a good name for him. But Jesus was given two names at his birth, really beginning of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins, and Emmanuel, which means God with us. I love your banner, by the way, driving into the town. Brilliant. He was also given four names over 700 years before he was even born. That we've just read from the prophet Isaiah. But to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful counsellor means a, an amazing counsellor, a wonder of a counsellor. And we all need at times, don't we, counsel, help, guidance, and Jesus is the best. You come to Jesus, you go to the best place. And the biblical record is littered with people who he, Jesus has helped to overcome their problems. Think of the Samaritan woman at the well, Nicodemus in the middle of the night, the woman caught in adultery, the rich young ruler, the list goes on, and Jesus can help us overcome our problems as well. Mighty God is a phrase that means a divine warrior with superhuman powers. But Jesus is not some kind of first century superman. John tells us, Plain and simply, at the beginning of his gospel, Jesus was gone. Jesus was gone. And Paul wrote that he was in very nature God. And Thomas recognised him when he bowed before him and declared him to be my Lord and my God. Jesus is God incarnate, God in the flesh. God come among us in human form. You want to know what God is like? You look at Jesus. That's what God is like. And then there's everlasting Father. 
Now, this is not the same person as God the Father. It more means someone who originates something, the source of something. And in this sense, it is used of Jesus in the sense that for the believer, Jesus is the source of eternal life. And by eternal life, it's not just a life that lasts forever. This is about the quality of life. God's life. The life of heaven that we can even experience here and now. And then there is the Prince of Peace. And that is our theme. Today is the second Sunday of Advent. Also, Advent making up of four Sundays before Christmas as we prepare for Christmas as we prepare for the coming of the one who was born, the coming of God's incarnate son. And traditionally, Advent has four themes, hope, peace, joy, love, and this week, it is peace. One of the names of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And by this phrase, it describes the prince that brings blessing, peace, and prosperity for the subjects through his rule. Peace on earth was the message of the angels. We just read from Luke 2. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Now we don't have to look very far, do we, to realise there is not much peace on the earth. As a former president of the Norwegian Academy of Science and various historians got together, they came up with some startling information. That since 3600 BC, the world has only known 292 years of peace. That's extraordinary, isn't it? All that time. Ceasing. Years of peace, 292 years, that's all. <clears throat> we live in a violent and war-torn world with all the consequent horrors of war. We have to look very far, do we, in our news and our media, all about the war in Ukraine, the suffering of war, <clears throat> broken people, broken communities, economic collapse, poverty, etc. And then there's the, the conflict at home, stress of financial insecurity, uncertainty around health, grief, loss, all this putting pressure on families, and there's discord, there's breakdown, there's abuse, there's arguments. All this puts pressure, of course, on society with political unrest, strikes, further conflict and tension. Where is this promise of peace? War is the reality of a sinful world. And peace, of course, is not just absence of war or conflict. There is so much more to peace. It's already been alluded to, this is a busy time of year, preparing for Christmas, lots to do. Lots of busyness. A cry went up on family at Christmas. The father cried out, all I want is a bit of peace and quiet. So many of us, isn't it? I saw on Facebook this last week this chap wrote down, he said, What is the longest ever drum solo? And he answered it by saying there was 10 hours 
and 14 minutes, and it was his neighbour's kid when he got his uh, Christmas <laughs> drum kit. People need peace. We desperately need it. People seek for peace, and not only in exterior sense, but in an inner sense, in terms of their inner peace. Now it's good to live as ordered a life as we can and, and make sure that things are not too chaotic. And there are some good suggestions online to live that more peaceful, ordered kind of life. These suggestions are helpful. We're to set limits. <coughs> it says don't make mountains out of molehills. We're good at doing that. Slow down. Unclutter your world, it suggests, and unclutter your mind. A good advice. But again, there's more to peace than that. Trouble is that people are looking for peace. They want peace without the prince. You see the results of the census last week? What is it? The percentage of Christians is down from 59.5% to 46.2%. Somebody was mentioning to me this morning, they thought, no, there are more Christians than that. John Drain, I read also, who writes on mission theology, said he, he was surprised the figure was that high. But people, of course, are still seeking some kind of spiritual fulfillment. They do kind of spiritual things. But again, the trouble is that people want the peace without the prince. I, for a while, was a helped out with our local further education college, chaplaincy there, and it was said that the mental health problems of these young people were of epidemic proportions. Depression, anxiety, um, suicidal thoughts, self-harm, and that was before COVID. I read this last week that there's news of, what is it, one in four, a quarter of young people between 17 and 19 have a mental health disorder. One in four. Now we can all suffer from anxiety and serious mental health problems at any age, of course we can. And it's good to relax, it's good to find that sense of inner calm, um, and we need to look after our own mental health as much as we can and increase our sense of well-being. So much around that, there's so much of what we do is, is temporary, it's fleeting. It doesn't last. The peace of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is a deep, deep down, abiding peace in the heart. And we can't know true and lasting peace in this world without Jesus. It's impossible. We're broken. And only God can fix us. Only his peace, his shalom, can make us whole. And we may find a version of inner peace, a sense of tranquility through various means, but it's easily shattered by life's circumstances and troubles. It was Augustine that said, You have made us for thyself, O God, and only the soul finds no rest until it finds its rest in thee. We were made for God. To be one with him in a loving, eternal relationship. It's how we're designed, how we're put together. And we can look here, there and everywhere for some kind of 
alternatives, some kind of sense of fulfillment somewhere, but we will ultimately be frustrated. We just pursue what we think, oh, this works for me. We'll be disappointed. We'll be let down until we come to the source of the peace, the source of peace himself, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. We can find peace with the Prince. So what is this peace that Jesus gives us? Firstly, it is peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. It's that essential and irreplaceable ingredient of true peace. It's actually what people are looking for if they did but know it. It's interesting, isn't it? People have rejected God, well, according to the census. But I think if you look at their lives, they miss him. Something's missing. Peace with God is the peace of heart and mind that displaces the guilt, the fears, the fear of, of the unknown, the fear of the future, the fear of death, the sense of meaninglessness and soul emptiness. It is the peace of knowing that our lives are in the hands of a loving, gracious and merciful God and there's no better place to be. Peace of, secondly, is the peace of God, and it is beyond our understanding. Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can kind of know it, even if we can't necessarily explain it. As the Scots would say, it's better felt than telt. It's a submarine peace. It's a deep down peace. And we can experience despite and even in the midst of the most being tossed about by the storms of life, even in those most extreme moments, we can still experience God's peace. And only Jesus can bring that peace to us because he is the Prince of Peace. But it is the peace of Jesus himself. Jesus said in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. It's unlike anything that the world can offer, the world can give us, because it is God's gift to, to us. It is that Jesus' peace is deposited deep within our hearts. And it is peace through the blood of the cross. That is what we remember at this table today. Colossians 1.20 says that through Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. God gave Jesus both to the manger and to the cross. And it's through the death and resurrection of Jesus that peace between God and humanity is made possible. That wall of hostility broken down. Peace is possible again. And it is a peace that for all who put their trust in Jesus. We read from Luke 2. On earth peace among those with whom God is pleased. Is that literal understanding of that phrase. And the way to please God. How do we please God? How can we live to please God? To believe him. 
to believe on the one he has sent, scripture says, to take him at his word and to trust him. That's what pleases God, when we live our lives like that. And the only effective way to know peace in this war-torn, difficult, violent world with conflict and trouble and difficulty all around is to fix our eyes on Jesus, Isaiah 26. God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are fixed on him. And yes, there is indeed war, conflict, discord, unrest all around us. And Christmas can be a particular, instead of being a time of peace, it can be, there can be more of that pressure around us than ever before. Add to this, things that so many families are experiencing, financial difficulty, rise in heating costs, inflation, all of that. I read this last week that a million people are currently threatened with eviction because they can't pay their rent. Hundreds and thousands of people could be turfed out of their homes. The level of fear and anxiety and uncertainty that people live with is massive and increasing. But in the midst of all that would rob us of peace, all that would pressurize us, all that would, would, would destroy peace in our hearts, we remember God's promise of peace this Advent. Remember what is going on. What is going on in our lives, no matter what is going on in life and around us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Scripture says. We regard that peace. That is a precious gift of God to us. We protect it, we to nurture it, we to treasure it because it is so, so valuable. We kind of come and go sometimes, don't we, instead of saying this what God has made possible for us, what God has done for us in our lives, this is precious. This is so, so valuable. Not just to be tossed away, we'll carelessly come and go. This is the precious gift of God. His peace in our hearts. And don't let anyone or anything get in the way of you experiencing and knowing the peace of the Prince of Peace this Christmas. And then finally, just to say that, of course, that as well as receiving God's peace, we are to share it. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And the message version is great because it says you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and all and your place in God's family. We're blessed. We're blessed when we make peace, when we work for peace, when we are people of peace. Jesus, we know, has reconciled us to God, Colossians 1.20. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are to be reconcilers between peoples, between individuals and society, locally, globally. You see, not only do we know and experience the Prince of Peace, we are to share it with others. So as we prepare for communion, I would ask you to stand and let us do that in that kind of formal way. It's just symbolic of what God wants to do with us out there and amongst our family and the people that we know. But let us offer one another a sign of peace, let us share the peace.
that can normally do this. See the good way of symbolically sharing the peace. A word of encouragement. A word of blessing. <coughs> Build one another up and be people of peace. Let's do the liturgy first. Okay. Let's do that bit of liturgy. Let God's presence and peace in Christ Jesus keep a watch over your heart and mind and free you from all anxiety. This is where you respond. The peace of the Lord be always with you and also with you. So now let us sit that symbolic sharing of God's peace. <laughs>